Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy Soso, in case you ain't know so. And welcome back to another episode of Sports with Soso. Be sure to follow us on Spotify at Sports with Soso. And remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports with Soso Podcast. We hope everybody enjoyed their holiday sports week. As we come back with a big dosage of the Miami Dolphins, we narrowly beat the Raiders. We look forward to beating the Bills and seeing what else happens in the playoff push. We check in with the Heat as they start off on the wrong foot, but bounce back on Christmas Day for everybody to see. We check up on the Hurricanes football season as they get big news for their quarterback, and they go bowling in the Cheez-It Bowl. Let's end the year right, y'all. Let's go! Big win, baby. Woo! We got another big win, back to back. Dog, we needed this big win, bro. Telling me. I know. We all needed this win. And... Just like the roll of the dice, anything can happen. Dolphins right now sitting pretty in the fifth spot right now for the playoff hunt, which was only happening because of some key losses, right? Right. We saw the Colts lose. We saw the Browns lose. Meanwhile, Dolphins are taking everybody's heart rate through the roof on a Saturday night primetime as we're fighting for our freaking playoff lives against the Raiders. And my man, your man, Jason Sanders, comes through with a big kick, huge leg. 44-yard field goal to seal the game at the end, which was crazy. I mean, we're going to get into all that in just a second, but what a game. I mean, it, it was back and forth. It was just, you know, grueling, grueling battle between both these, you know, offensives that, uh, you know, we, we had our, our troubles throughout the game. Uh, that You know, they were rolling. You know, you called it last week. Derek Carr was going to come out there and, and sling the ball around, and he did. To your credit, so I mean, it was a hell of a game, man. Hell of a game. Definitely a nail biter, bro. Like I said, the Dolphins end up winning it, twenty six, twenty five. Sanders hit the game winner. Kind of weird circumstance because again, we see Fitzpatrick come in for Tua in the fourth quarter when the game is quote unquote on the line or starting to be on the line with no major setbacks by Tua, but his play definitely didn't inspire anything, right? Especially not in the fans. There was no type of like action or throws that he made granted he didn't have parker gasecki was back thankfully he made a couple of plays but nothing out of this world where he made a throw where we were like damn that's the guy that we needed you know or that's the guy that we were looking to have it it was kind of crazy because the dolphins ended up having to score 20 points in the second half in order to win the game they showed a lot of great mental toughness uh stuck with it even when tool was replaced you can kind of feel like they have not given up on the game. They didn't just say, well, shit, man, Fitz is in the game. We can forget about winning this one. Now nah, those boys stuck with it, and they tried to actually play really hard and win, which was really nice to see, bro, especially coming down into this important stretch where pretty much every game that we're playing right now next for 23 yards. What does that do? Not only does it push us back, but it really just kills his momentum Absolutely. mentally to be like, damn, bro, I don't have enough time to throw the ball. Or I don't think this guy's getting open enough. And the announcers actually made a big note of it. They were able to say that's why Fitz gives a little bit more on offense because he's going to sling it, yes, but he knows the difference between NFL open and NFL covered. Tua hasn't learned that yet. He doesn't know necessarily how open somebody can be before he can feel comfortable throwing that ball. Yeah, he waits a second too long to see that he's de- definitely open where Fitzpatrick is like, he has a, that, that veteran awareness where I'm going to throw it, and in a moment, 
after I throw it, it's going to be an open window and we're going to be able to make that play. And just take the chance, right? Because he's a vet. He knows that there's nothing really to lose. Most times you can get a pass interference call or worst case scenario, nothing happens, right? And you get your down and you move on to the next play. Yeah. But Tua being as accurate as he is should feel more comfortable throwing the ball and taking more chances. Shit, man, that's, that's part of the reason why you got the reins now. Because we want to see that ability in you, or at least develop that ability in you, so that when you do play more consistently in every game, in tight situations where we need to win, you're able to do it. And you're able to feel comfortable making those throws. Me, personally, I understand why fans have an issue with benching Tua and not letting him lose, whatever. At the end of the day, we know that a coach's job regardless of whatever happens with the roster, is to win games. And when you don't win games, that's how you end up fired. And no owners... Unless you're, uh, you're Adam Gase, in which case the, Jet, the Jets will just keep you around. They're keeping them around to tank, to lose, so they know what they're and, doing. And they can't even do that. They just beat the beat the Browns, for crying out loud, man. Come on now. Damn Browns, dude. So the Jets can't get anything right. The Dolphins, on the other hand, we do get our things right. So Coach Flores is definitely making the smartest decision to say... No matter what in the game, I got to make the best decision in order for us to win the game. And, and let me tell you something, man. For the first time in a long time, I actually, as a fan, have faith in our coaching staff because of the fact that I'm, I'm just glad that I don't have to make those decisions because I, I would have gone with, you know, let's ride with Tua. This is our guy. You know, let's go. Let's go ahead and ride him out. And, it, you know, if we if we don't walk away with what we want, which is a win, at least it's a learning experience for him. And coach, you know, Flo said, no, this game is still in reach. We have a chance, and the best thing for the team to your and you know to your point that you talk about how well the, the team meshes, no matter who who's the one you know that's back there at quarterback, uh, they rally around them, and we're able to pull out the dub. So, but you know, I gotta, I really gotta shout out our coaching staff, man, Chan Gailey and Coach Flo, and, and and everybody on defense, they're doing a great job, man. They're really doing a great job keeping us in these games, man. Because even though they're coming down to the wire, you know, we're we're calling the right plays and. And, and making the right moves. Yeah, for sure. And you can even see it in the development of Tua, right? We break down the stats. The man is 7-2 and two as a starter. Right. You can't deny that. Can't deny that shit. That's that's just plain old wins and losses. That's yeah. what counts in that. And, and if you say he didn't finish his last game, you know, if it's Patrick Guided, I mean, that's like baseball. You know, even the starting pitcher in baseball will get the dub as long as his relief pitcher can close it out for him, right? Started the comeback. He threw so. the touchdown. Right, he he threw the touchdown to get us on the board and be like, "All right, boys, we're in this game. Let's wake up, you know. Let's get after it." He just couldn't take enough chances, right? And that's something that, again, I understand the fans want to see that because they see other players doing it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll work out for Tua because we don't have the weapons right now. A, B, we're in the middle of a fucking playoff push. Yeah. You know, and the ultimate goal is to win games to get into the playoffs. We already secured a top 10 pick with a Houston p trade. Yeah, it's looking it's looking like it's going to be a, a number four. Yeah. A Called it pick. before the before the season. You top know, five. I, I was saying top five yeah. th that it was going to end up being a top five pick. Why? Because Houston is that bad and yeah. they don't have that that good coach and, and that good great GM players, players, but they just can't get it. They, they just can't get a dub. So now the Dolphins are playing with. Even more house money. We get Tua on a season that we weren't even expecting him to play because it was a short off season, no training cap, no nothing. The kid's winning games for us, and he's driving us to the playoffs. No matter what you say, 
even with this game or the other game that they brought him they brought him out for he's winning games secondly you see the development of the defense to be more dangerous and more consistent so so you got a defense that's number one in the nfl you got an offense that is being led by a rookie and being able to generate some type of movement enough offense to put points on the board coach flow is not gonna bullshit with a game to say, well, yeah, I'm going to leave my rookie in there just because he's my rookie and I need him to learn. It's like I told my boy AP. I was like, sometimes it's easier for you to coach a young quarterback from the sideline and be like, you see why you, you're not doing that? You're not throwing the ball early enough. That guy's open. That's why Fitz tried to make that throw. Sometimes you just... It helps to see it. Yeah, you're just you're in the moment. You're not able to see it from another perspective, whereas, you know, it's kind of like an outer body experience if you're sitting on the sideline watching another quarterback play your position. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, man, and that, that goes along with the experience. You can't coach from the huddle. You know, when the kid's in the huddle, he's going to do whatever the hell he feels is his best idea of what it is the right thing. When he's on the sideline and you can show him shit, that's probably a deeper level of understanding that he's getting, that he's going to be able to use for the other game. And more than that, those guys have a special relationship. There's no beef. Everybody knows exactly what the plan here. Two is the future. Fitz could be the backup, whatever. And they both treat each other with respect, and they try to help each other no matter what. Absolutely. And they always pick each other up. Which is huge. That's what we want. We want There's to make no sure that they, they, they have that good relationship just in case we, you know. It's nice to see because normally you don't get to see a backup quarterback unless – unfortunately, your starting quarterback gets hurt, right? Or they're doing so bad that it's like, hey, we got to pull this guy out of the game. Well, Tua wasn't doing so bad, you know? It wasn't, you know, obviously he could have, we wanted him to do a lot better, but, you know, it, it was something where it just, I guess it felt right for, for Coach Flores at that point just to go ahead and pull him. But, I mean, I, at the end of the day, hindsight's twenty twenty, and and looking back, it was obviously the right decision it as worked. we go off to, and, you know, win the game. And it was it was at the hands of, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or Fitzmagic, as we like to call him, because the guy is a, a damn magician out there, man. With the sweetest beard. We'll get into that in a second, but something I wanted to talk about, man, and real, real quick, uh, shout out to Miles Gaskin, who had a tremendous performance this yeah, past bro, game. Yeah, bro, we got to give him uh, a prop. 14 carries, 87 yards on the ground. He also had five receptions, 82 yards, two touchdowns. One of them was a big 59-yard play, 59-yard uh, touchdown, where he caught it, and he it must have been like a 10, 20-yard catch. And he just made the rest happen, you know. He's got that speed, man. With his footwork and his agility, he just cut it up field, man. And then he just opened up that speed and he was gone. So shout out to Miles Gaskin. But I want to talk about the roller coaster of emotions known as the last eight and a half minutes of this game. <laughs> All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run you through this. And I want you to tell me about your feelings, how you felt as each of these events transpired during the game. Well, at first, right. When I was watching Tua, I was like, damn, bro, this guy's, he, you can tell he's struggling. You know, you can tell he's struggling. And I was like, damn, bro, we're going to lose this fucking game to the Raiders, right? After I'm talking shit to a bunch of Raiders fans that I know, like, hey, we're going to end your season tonight. And I'm thinking, damn, bro, these guys are going to kill our season tonight. And Tua wasn't giving me the energy that I was looking for. Right. Man. He didn't get me excited. I was like, bro, this guy either has to wake up or we got to get him out of there. And lo and behold, here comes Coach Flo, and it's like, hey, Fitz, go in there, see what you can do. So that's where, that's where we are right now. So with about nine minutes left in the game, Ryan Fitzpatrick enters the game, Tua goes to the bench, right? So that first drive that Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there is money. We, we start driving the ball. We, you know, we do a couple plays here, one up the seam, a nice big play to Gusecki. 
boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, we're down inside the goal line. But guess what? We have to settle for a field goal. Which we were doing the same thing with Tua. So I'm thinking, shit, bro, it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. We don't have nobody who can punch in right. the, tu- the, the, the 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 ball. ball. Who, like, who can punch in the ball? We have a guys, a bunch of guys who can supposedly do it, right. but nobody who's actually doing it consistently. And again, we don't have our th- end zone threat in Parker because sometimes, again, when you're that close, it's a lot easier to just throw that jump ball fade and say, go get the ball, big guy. And we didn't even have him, so... It was kind of tough it to was, see. It was disappointing. It was disappointing to walk away with a field goal after a beautiful drive like that. Especially against uh, a defense like that because the Raiders' defense is not shitty. They're they're really, like, level-headed, and they were playing really hard they that came game. To, they came to win. Came to that win whole that team game. came to win. I got to give them props. We got to give them props because we stole that game from yeah, them we pretty much. Did. But Fitz gets in. He starts driving. It looks promising, and then we end up with the same result, which we always hate, is the three points. But we get the ball back. We hold down their defense, uh, their offense, and get the ball back. Well, no, before you get to that. So four minutes left. All right, let's not skip ahead here. Four minutes left. We tie up the game, 16-16. All right, after that beautiful drive, kind of disappointed. On the very next drive, okay, we give the ball back to the Raiders. On the very next drive, we let up, and by we, I mean Byron Jones, lets up an 85-yard touchdown to Nelson Aguilar with three minute, three and a half minutes left in the First game. First of all, I was trying to skip that part on purpose, bro, because I'm tired of burning that guy for always getting smoked like he does. We gotta call, You got to call a spade a spade, man. I mean, it, it happened. It happened, and, 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 and it's because he got – I mean, it, he was there for the play, but he couldn't even make the tackle. That's some of the, sh- the shit that's upsetting because he's supposed to be one of the better safeties. And this year, he has not shown that shit at all, man. And we paid that guy to be one of the defensive stalwarts Absolutely. on this on Absolutely. this lineup. And he's just not providing that shit at all. He got smoked a, against Kansas number City. Number one, Xavier, Xavier Howard. Number two, Byron Jones. And and it's not the case at all. You know what I mean? Even for the rookie role, we can give him a break and be like, all right, you know what? Right. The first year, people are going to pick on you. They don't know about you. You put, go out there, play your defense. And he's had a, he had a rough game this game because Waller was all over him and oh, pretty we much did whatever we, he we wanted. Got, we got a shout-out Waller, too. That dude's a beast, man. He's a beast. That dude's a beast. You throw it up to him. If he wants to catch it, yeah, he's going to catch it. And Forget he's the number one it. tight end being drafted next year, for sure. For fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. No, I doubt that. Bro. Travis Kelsey's still number one. We'll see, man. Yeah, he's still number one. We'll Forget see. about it. But in another point, for us, it was important to limit them. I said it before. We have to limit their running. Josh Jacobs had a good game, didn't have a great game. We didn't force Carr into a turnover, but we did force him into tough throws. We hit him a lot. We got him to hurry yeah, a we, lot. We also had three sacks on them. They had three on us, but we also had three on them. Right including Baker, because he's continuing to have a great season. He was such a great pick when we got him, and I was really excited because we needed linebacker help, a real consistent linebacker. We haven't had one since, like, you know, the legend of Zach Thomas. Right. But Baker really looks like a guy who's going to be here and be one of the best linebackers in the NFL and just contribute offensively, uh, defensively year in, year out. So having all these players that we know and love on our side of the ball how do you feel about us giving up that long of a touchdown when in this type of game with three and a half minutes left? It goes back to Is it just do you just do you just let it up to one just person? Do you just chalk it up to one play, one bang bang play, and hey, it is what it is? For me, yes. And I tell you why. Because again, the level of respect that Byron Jones has and what he's known to be doing, 
should show on the field better than what it is, bro. He's not supposed to be getting burned like that. All right. Especially by that quarterback. I'm, I'm with you. You tell I'm me that. You. Now, you tell me that. Not by Aguilar. Not by Aguilar, bro. You tell me Tyreek Hill and Mahomes burn you. Hey, uh, bro. Right. Happens to everybody, man. You know, pat that, shake that. It walk. is what it is. Yeah, walk it off. Let's go. Next, next drive. But against these guys, when you know that the defensive line is putting pressure on, on Carr and really forcing him to throw the ball a little bit early or throw 50-50 balls, you got to be the one winning those 50-50 balls and definitely not allowing somebody else to win that shit. You look like a clown when he's getting burned like that consistently every week. You know, you can see if you look at the tape, you can find at least five to ten plays where he's getting caught out of position, maybe not in position to make a tackle. Somebody else is picking up the slack for him. All right, let's put a pin. Let's put a pin in Byron Jones real quick. Byron Jones. Let's, put, let's, just put a, let's just put a quick pin in him because we're going to come back to him in a second. But... So we got three and a half minutes left. We just gave up this touchdown. So they go up by a score. Now we come back with Fitzpatrick, and he goes ahead and dishes it out to Gaskin with three minutes. We end up tying the game back up. Now the Raiders are driving the ball. They're driving the ball, driving the ball, and uh, they throw the ball up in the air. And there's a horrible, in my opinion, I'm going to call it what, it what I think it was, a horrible pass interference call on Byron Jones. It was weak. Again, over Nelson Aguilar. What did you think about that call? I'll tell you what I think. You know why they called that? Because he got burned earlier, bro. That's just straight up and down. They The officials already have it in their mind that any type of agility race, any type of like battle for position or anything like that, Aguilar was going to be, or any wide receiver is going to be ahead of Jones because yeah. he's been a step behind the whole game. Right. So any contact or something like that that they catch, whether it's by the corner or the eye or whatever, they're automatically going to probably assume and say, well, for sure that's on Byron. All right, I can see that. But what do you think about that call in particular at that time in the game? I thought it was weak and obviously very... You can say, you can call it what it was, man. It was bullshit. You can call it bullshit, no problem. But it's a weak play, right? If, if again, Byron Jones was playing to his level... He probably would have deflected that pass without any contact, without any any type of chance for them to even call that play on him. You you they get that shit gets called on you because you were in that range. You were that close. You were sloppy. You weren't as clean as you could have been on your defensive assignment. So yeah, I'm not surprised that they call that, especially on somebody like him. Had it happened to Howard, I would have been like, whoa, this guy's too good for that type of sloppy shit to right. be called against him. When it's Byron Jones happening to you all game, it's it's tough for me to be like, yeah, man, you know, this I is not, this is not, not. I don't know. For me, it was you know so late in the game. It was you know they, they he throws up the ball in double coverage. You got Xavier Howard right next to Byron Jones. The the play itself, you know, is a little touchy grab, but he's playing the ball the whole time, looking back at the ball. Honestly, I just thought it was bullshit. So, but it, you know that 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 didn't really change the momentum too much for us because we just. Actually, no, it just kind of kept the, all things in line, actually. I'm sorry, because I'm looking here at my notes. And the very next thing that happens is, you know, th they're down there already because of that, that pass interference call. And then we managed to stop them. They're on a third down, and they catch us off sides on a hard count. Kyle Vinoy jumps off sides, and it looks like at that point, the Dolphins just gave it up, right? Yeah. I mean, I, for a moment there, we I thought we were done. I thought we were that, cooked. That was the point where, like I said earlier, I was like, "Fuck, man, we're gonna lose to the Raiders. We're gonna lose to the Raiders, and we're, this season is gonna go down the 
freaking. And we're talking. This is less than two minutes left in the game. Yeah, down the freaking drain because of this sloppy, sloppy game where we couldn't get our act together defensively, and it's the same guy twice on the big plays. But they end up running a a little run play with Josh Jacobs, who decides to slide at the one instead of taking it in, punching it in for the touchdown. So stupid. And they settle. Well, mathematically. It, earlier in the year, that hurt the Falcons when Todd Gurley uh, scored a touchdown instead of stopping at the one. So I, c- I can see why they do that, but I'm all with you. You got to take the touchdown. You got to walk away with the points, especially in a game like that. Like Herman Edwards famously said, hello, you play to win the game. Absolutely. And they should have won that game. Had they scored that touchdown, probably kills the momentum, probably kills any type of like con- m- continuancy that the Dolphins had about going about the game and just – Throwing that out the window. What happens after that? Then they take the field goal, right? Right. And they kick it off to us, which is even weirder because there wasn't less that much time. Minute, less than a minute left in the game. I think it was like less than 30 seconds, actually. Yeah, it was It was like 19 seconds, 29 seconds on the clock, something like that. And I'm thinking to my head, they're going to squib kick, and we're going to get this ball quick and, you know, maybe throw a Hail Mary. They kick it off to us, goes out of bounds, kick, t- touchback. We're at the 25. First place out the first play out the gate, the best no look pass in history. <laughs> for magic. Face mask had Face turned mask. around like the exorcist. I mean, it was it was absolutely ridiculous what he did when you look back at the replay. Throws it, big catch. Matt Collins, who had dropped that touchdown earlier in the game. Yep, he redeemed himself with this one. Redeemed himself it big was, time. Uh, it was, they, there was a breakdown in coverage, and he, they managed to get this big playoff on the sideline, which stopped the clock, too, and everything, man. It was a huge, huge play. Huge play. And then to tack on the face mask penalty on that, when, we, when I saw that play completed, I was like, damn. We're going to steal this game. <laughs> We're going to steal this game. And I felt really be- like much better, obviously, about our chance. And I was just like, well, if we get to, to, this port, to this point where it's Sanders' turn to make a play, he'll gonna, he's going to make the play. So I was super confident in just getting it close to field goal range for him right. and letting him take whatever kick, whether it be 50 yards, 55 oh, yeah, yards. The kid's automatic. Kid's automatic. So it, what a... Freaking roller coaster. It was a, it was a roller coaster emotion, man. If you didn't catch the game and you just tuned in for the last eight, four to eight minutes, you know, you would have seen it. I, I wouldn't even argue the last four minutes because, you know, we tie it up with four minutes left. And then that's where, where the excitement really came in after the fact with, you know, those couple drives, those big plays. So uh, for, for a football fan, it, it had everything you love. This was a really great matchup. Luckily, our fans got the W and we're one 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 step closer to the playoffs, baby. And now we're heading to the biggest game of the season Huge. at Big. Buffalo, man. And they're a great team. I don't want to say like an all-time great team, but this season no. they're playing they've like been, a great team. They've been building towards this for the last couple seasons. Absolutely. And Josh Allen is the truth. Whoever didn't believe in this kid last year is definitely eating their words right now because the kid is balling. Stefan Diggs was the hell of a pickup probably the best pickup that they've made in 10 years easily because he's connected instantly with Allen and made them a really dangerous team offensively. And they've always, always been good defensively. So we know what to expect. Overall, Dolphins have the advantage 61 to 51 with one tie in between both of the teams, which is kind of weird all time record, but the bills have beat us four straight last. The last time that we met them in 2018 was the first of the losses and we haven't beaten them since then, including the loss earlier this year in week two. This week, uh, and that week two loss was only by three points. So we played them kind of tight, 
Again, that was a Fitzmagic game that started. Now we're probably starting to. Uh, we don't know who they're starting. I think we're. Uh, I think we're actually a three-point favor. I'm sorry, they're they're a three-point favorite going into this game too. They are. So I mean, that's that. I, that's kind of what I was figured they were going to be favored. I, I, you know, I'm. I'm. I just think it's going to be a, a tough game for us. I think we got to stop to your point, Josh Allen and that Stephon Diggs connection. I think that's huge. Josh Allen is. What's crazy, you know, is that he's a dual threat. He's a gunslinger like what we just saw in Derek Carr, but he's mobile. And he can, he run. can run all over like the field, and, it, and it's crazy how much momentum those guys just roll with game to game. I've seen a lot of their games uh, and a lot of their highlights, man, and they're an exciting team to watch. Um, I, you know, Obviously, we, we lost the earlier matchup in the season. I think that we need this more than they do, I agree. Uh, this game, and I think that the Dolphins come out with the victory. I think that we come out on top 21-19 in a close game. What do you got? I got it some, a close game as well, but a little bit higher than that. I have a 28-24 Dolphins for the main reason that they don't need this game as much as we do. So even if they play everybody, we're going to come out extra hard and really try to make an emphasis to win this game early. You're going to look for Tua to be aggressive this game. He's going to try to exploit the defense with whatever weapons he has, and hopefully Parker's back, Gasecki's back, and the offense can kind of pick up where they were earlier a couple weeks ago but again i got us winning this game because it's a playoff game for us they already locked up their two seats so let's go fins let's go baby we control our own destiny let's do it let's go fins baby we know what time it is that's right now we can kick it off with the heat they started off their season one and one they had the first game of the season against orlando it was kind of a whack loss we ended up losing that game 113 to 107 especially in the fourth quarter where we kind of were ahead already to start the fourth, but Evan Fournier, the Frenchman, came through, got hot, made a couple of buckets at the end of the game. With I him. hate that guy. He's That's the guy that you hate if he's on another right, team, yeah, but he's on your team, and you're like, yo, I'm a huge fan no, of this guy. 100% he's one of those guys. He's definitely like an Orlando, Orlando Magic player, too. Like, it, that there's nobody more Orlando Magic than him. Maybe J.J. Redick. He's the quintessential <laughs> Orlando <laughs> Magic guy, right? Yeah. And Evan Fourier took that Thanks. torch and just ran with it, yep. you know? But they, <laughs> they ended up beating us, and it feels like they always beat us. This yeah. Is, and funny funny that, that I think about this now, but Orlando's actually three and f- three. three and yeah, they've won three out of their last four no, home openers. They're there. a good team, man. So they're they end up winning that game, and the Heat didn't play their best game. Right, we look kind of sloppy, especially in the first half. We didn't have our offense together. Third quarter, our offense woke up, and we were actually firing on cylinders. Bam had a really good game, twenty-five points, eleven rebounds, but he did have seven turnovers, which was the the name of the game. We ended right. up with twenty-two turnovers. Orlando got twenty-four points off of that. So we we just looked to me a little bit out of sync. And first of all, I want to say that I couldn't get the damn coverage. I had to resort to some other methods of, of getting the, the game on TV. Fire stick. Because damn. of the fact that they didn't have it on my regular scheduled programming, which pissed me the hell off. So that, that I, I don't know if anybody else had that issue, but if you did, please let us know. Reach out to us so that we can start a petition or something. Anyways, um, but yeah, they, they started, you know, a little sloppy. It was a little lackluster too. Uh, you know, it looked like, granted, we had, you know, two preseason games. We didn't really have a whole lot of time to really get ready. And in those two preseason games, we gave a lot of the young guys a lot of minutes. You know what I mean? Our, our rookies and stuff, time to go out there and stuff. And Jimmy wasn't really playing. So this first game was Jimmy's first game back. And I really thought that, that we were going to come out guns blazing. But you can tell that they were shaking off a little bit of rust and, and learning how to work, you know, a little bit together. So that, that game, it was what it was. It was the home opener for the Magic. So I'll give that to them. We, you know, we got to see them a couple more times. It's going to be a great, uh, you know, matchup for, for future, you know, future games. But... 
the one that I really enjoyed was our Christmas Day victory. That was a dope, dope win, man. And you can tell that they carried over a lot of the stuff from that Orlando game into the New Orleans game, right? Because Bam had 25 points the first game. Jimmy had 19. Dragon had 20 points. In the second game, we had Duncan picking up the slack. But Dragon oh, yeah. also. Duncan looked good. Duncan looked really good. You know, Jimmy went down with the injury. And the other, the rest of the guys around him picked, picked up, up the, the picked up the slack. Literally, Duncan ended up shooting the lights out of the gym that day. He was seven of thirteen from the three point line, had five rebounds, so he was contributing defensively. Oh, yeah. Ended up with twenty three points. Those seven threes tied a record for Christmas Day. Which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Spoils undefeated when it comes to Christmas Day. My man is eight and zero. Beautiful. Another That's the way it should be. Another reason why Spo is a freaking legend. When you put my dog on prime time, he comes through, exactly. bro. Exactly. You know what I mean? But it was really fun to see that game as a fan, to to see the Dragon play 27 minutes and pick it up from last game, like I said. Yeah. Dragon had 18, 18 points, points yeah. 6 of 11, seven, 9 assists. More importantly, 6 of 7 from the free throw line because we didn't get to the line that often because it was a very back-and-forth game, right? We both, both teams shot well. There was a lot of fluid movement in the game, so it was a really fun game to watch. I don't know how you felt about it, but... My biggest takeaway from that game was Precious's defense on a primetime player, Zion. He didn't shut him down. Zion beasted. He had over 30 points, ended up with 15 rebounds. The man is, is incredible, right? But there were key moments in the fourth quarter, especially, where Precious was giving us really good minutes, whether it was like within five, when two minutes left, where he's able to stay in front of Zion, move with him laterally, and deny him good looks at the basket, which I was like, damn. If that kid can do that now with more time, more practice, more, I don't know, game time, right, and learning, yeah, man, it was, it was that kid Precious is going to be a bad boy, ball. man. Good signs. It was all good signs. You know, he he, he had a great first, you know, uh, first game, I thought, and then he backed it up with this one. So it's he's progressing. Yeah, every, every game that we're seeing him, we're seeing him. He's learning our system. He's learning our players. He's learning, you know, how to fit in and be that, that guy that we need to be banging down low and getting rebounds. And, one thing that impressed me about Precious, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, is how many offensive rebounds he goes for and he battles for. There's, that's that's a that's a game where something like guys don't want to go down there and bang for that because they're like, let's just chalk it up and get back on defense and that's it. But there was a bunch of times where I saw him down there getting tied up, fighting for that offensive rebound. Yeah, that's his thing. He's, I love that. He's got a motor, bro. And I hate to use stupid cliches like that, but that guy really does have a freaking motor in him yeah. where he's just constantly going towards the ball he feels like any ball that's on the rim or coming off the rim he can probably get to which is a great great attitude to see in such a young player because he can beast out and really be a complimentary player or sidekick quote-unquote to a band mm -hmm. and that shit is exciting yeah man, to interchange him it was, it was good to see that too he's a young so. kid man young kid playing hard showing out and and really being able to to do good things for us and and things that positively impact the game so so one thing that i did want to talk about was we had your projected lineup last week right i don't know if you can remember that uh what your projected lineup was when i asked you last week i believe i had drogic there was a hero in there bam was starting jimmy was starting and i think i had myers leonard <laughs> yeah you did yeah leonard bam jimmy tyler and duncan i think that was your starting five and uh they actually ended up starting mo harkless and he started tonight against the Bucks too, man. And what do you? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously tonight I understand that, but you know, how do you feel about a guy like Mo Harkless in the lineup, mm. in the starting lineup? 
I'm not decided yet. I'm willing to give him time, right? Because I think that he can ultimately be a really good tool for us, right? Because he can do a lot of things. He can obviously score. We've seen him have certain outputs where he's fluidly hitting shots and or driving to the rim, right? Getting getting buckets. And and defensively too, what he brings to the table defensively is always a key thing for me. Because in order to be on the floor, especially in key games against key opponents, I need to know what it is you're going to be able to do. Right. Who you're going to be able to cover. And with him, I'm getting a better picture of that within these two games that he's played in. He hasn't played amazing, and I don't think we're, we'll probably get too many amazing games for him. But my ideal output from Harkless would be to see him give us as much as he got defensively and try to influence the offense where he's attacking loose balls, throwing his body around, attacking the offensive boards, doing the kind of shit that Precious is doing right. to be like, okay, I may not be able to be the guy, but I can definitely lead to somebody else getting an opportunity. If I tip the ball, somebody might, uh, might get it. We can reset the clock, whatever. Harkless starting kind of kills the lineup because you feel like, damn, maybe Hero should be starting. And you can put Duncan in the small forward and kind of play some small ball. But Duncan as a defensive liability kind of hurts him against bigger guys. So to ask him to defend those guys is rough and kind of pointless because you know he's going to pick up two, three, four fouls quite quickly. Everybody's a big wing, especially in the East. So I don't feel like there's a better option at the moment. Until Precious can play up to that conditioning level, and I don't think being a kid, he knows how hard it is. Yeah, to he's, we can't we can't ask him that of him. We can't ask that of him just yet. Yet, yeah, right? I'm so with you. that's why I'm okay with Harkless. Where he's at right now, yeah, and giving somebody like a veteran like Mo, uh, you know that that shot, especially with you know Jimmy hurt right now. Yeah, but even a Leonard and saying, you know what, Miles Leonard, go in there, get some playing time, give me some good minutes. Hey, let me tell you, man, Miles Leonard was knocking down some threes. He was uh he was doing his thing, man. I was like, why is this guy? Sh- oh, okay, I'll take that. Good shot, big guy. Good shot, big guy. Get back on the defense now. That shit's gonna happen, you know, especially because. Like I told you before, we, we're not offensively minded to be like, well, we have to put up 120 points a game. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're not built like that. We're bro. trying to win every possession. We're going to win every possession, and we're going to take the two-pointers when it counts, and we're going to take the three-pointer when it counts. Yeah. That's why I'm okay with Harkless. Can I envision a better lineup? Absolutely. And I hope that we get a better defensive lineup in place, or at least rotational-wise, to be like, okay, this is our defensive unit. We got that unlocked. Now let's work on who's our best offensive threat and how can we build up those lineups. Because, like, we got Avery Bradley. We still got Precious. We got Hero. We got none. We got a lot of players. We got Kelly Olenek. We, we got, got players. Andre Godala, Dragic. We still got a, yeah, we still got a bunch of key Dalen players. Dalen has been really giving us some good minutes as well, of he was He came out. So our starting uh, our starting lineup, like we talked about, was, the, you know, that first game was Jimmy Bam, Hero, Duncan, and Mo Harkless. But off the bench, we got Dragon, uh, Kendrick Nunn, got a lot of minutes. We got Iggy came out, which, you know, Iggy still looks good, man. Iggy, you know, he's, a, he's still defensively, he's still one of our, our best defensive players. There was a couple stupid fouls that got called on him, and so a couple like you could tell that he's just kind of out of it. Aggressive, but, that, yeah, but he's still thing. nice. And then you had uh, Kelly O and Precious rounding out the you know the other two spots, which that 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 was an interesting five right there to have on the floor. Yeah, I mean you know what Iguodala brings, right? He's like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he's old, but he can still do what he needs to do to affect the game and do it well. I like what Kelly Olynyk brings 
Olenek brings to the game at times, right? Yeah, sometimes he can get bullied by bigger defenders, but offensively, he can move the ball. He can pass it. He can set up really good picks, and he can knock down the essential three. So I wasn't mad with how Spo. I never really have an issue with how Spo is breaking down the rotation. Exactly. If there's one guy that we trust, it's Coach Spo. Because he knows what the matchup calls for. He knows what the other team calls for, like yeah. what's their weaknesses. He knows all that shit, man. He's got that shit on lock. Yeah. So I'm okay with him playing and experimenting with different lineups, especially now, right, where we just came from playing two and a half months ago to start a season real quickly on a quick turnaround. No, let's get the other guys involved. And see what we got before we come up with an ultimate lineup. Right. You know, I'm okay with with figuring like that shit out yeah, within the, the 10, 15 games. Now. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially now at the beginning of the season, early on, let, you know, let's get it. Now's the time, bro. Like, for instance, we're playing Milwaukee. Yes, sir. Right now. We got the, we got the game on in the back right now. We're, we're actually down, unfortunately. Yeah, down, down a couple. 58-27 right now in the second quarter. So we're playing the Bucks actually, and this is Twice one of yeah, this is one one of back to back games. We play them again tomorrow, Wednesday night, the thirtieth of December, and this is something that they're doing now, I guess, because of COVID and everything that's been going on. We're going to be looking at playing back to back, like double headers, basically, to limit travel. Which means that now you know we're playing two games here uh, against Milwaukee, but then we're going to eventually end up going and playing two games in Milwaukee. How do you feel about that, you know, us having to go back-to-back nights against the same team and, and the schedule playing out like this now due to COVID? I'm I'm from the old school, and back in the days, bro, those guys would used to play back-to-backs all the time. Is it different now? Absolutely, absolutely, because the, the guys are high-powered machines, right? They're not just as rough and tough as they were. They're very, quote-unquote, fragile. You know, you got these players that you're spending millions upon millions of dollars on. You kind of want to protect your investment. I don't mind it because ultimately people want to see basketball, right? I love seeing basketball on my TV, waking up at whatever time at night and be like, oh, there's a West Coast basketball game going on right now. Yeah. So I don't mind it. For the Heat especially, it doesn't matter because we're always going to be a well-conditioned team. Like you said, we play the Bucks two games back-to-back. Then we go on the road to Dallas to then fly back home against OKC and against Boston. So we're going to get used to playing good teams or teams that have played well within recent months, right, or even in the bubble, just to kind of see where we're at, which is goes back to the lineups and stuff like that that we were talking about. Now is the time to play everybody that you can play, lower the, the risk of getting somebody hurt or getting somebody fatigued or something like that, just to see what you have. So when the halfway point comes, it's like, all right, boys, well, let's turn it on. Here's what we know we're good at. We know we're bad at this. We're going to play each team like this. Boom, let's boom, sharpen boom. it up. And sharpen it up. Now's the time. So with COVID going on and playing those back-to-backs, expect a lot of games where a Dragon plays one game, might not play the other. Right. Bam plays the second game, doesn't play the first. And Jimmy plays the first game and doesn't play the second. That shit's going to happen. And yeah. as basketball fans, you got to be okay with it because – Ultimately, you're getting more games and watching more basketball ever more so often. So there's nothing really to complain about there. Yeah, no, I'm cool with it, man. I mean, we're going to have to play them anyways, you know what I mean, whether it's now or later. So if it's just for, you know, for the circumstances that we're in right now with the travel restrictions and and with the COVID testing and all that, then, you know, so be it. You know, we'll go ahead and get it out of the way. So I'm totally fine with it. At the end of the day, you know, you got to make the playoffs. And that's where we're, you know, what we're working on right now. So 
I'm looking forward to it, man. Hopefully yeah, we, can, we can turn this game around right now against the Bucks and, and take this one and uh, hopefully the one tomorrow night too. And yeah, two one out of two ain't bad, right? Let's get one out of two and let's and get out of there without any injuries. I mean, speaking of injuries, I feel like the the Kings are trying to injure oh, me on purpose, bro. They they they're finding a way to they're finding a way to shit on my on my fandom, right? Because I'm super excited. Derek King says, "Yo, I'm coming back. Yeah. Let's run it back," which is great news for the Hurricanes. It's actually going to be the first time in his collegiate career where he has the same coach, same offensive coordinator, same offensive game plan in back to back years. So I'm excited to see him stay and really help us get to that next level that we've been trying to get to. It was really cool to see the decision, why the decision he made was important. He himself knew that he was going to be the four to six round pick. He was like, I'm better than that. I know I didn't have enough opportunities to show that this year. There's been a bunch of games where the Hurricanes let him down pretty much. We have people dropping passes, offensive line getting called for holding penalties and, and stupid fouls yeah. when we're getting very long plays. Undisciplined. You know, very undisciplined team. I'm, I'm really excited for him to stay because it not only helps us in the right now be a more potential dangerous team, especially in the ACC with Sunshine leaving and we don't know what Clemson's going to yeah, do at what quarterback. what Clemson's going to be after this. Same thing with Notre Dame. We're definitely ahead of schedule against like an FSU. We probably have to get better to consistently beat a North Carolina team we lost to this year. Mm-hmm. But King gives us that stability, which is really exciting because yeah. we haven't had that. In a long time, especially at that position, which is the key position. Absolutely, that's your that's your leader right there, right? That's the guy that you want, you know, to be the the most dynamic, and that's exactly what he brings. Uh, I just feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for him too. I mean, he's gonna end the season eight and three, right? We're currently down to the Oklahoma State Cowboys, which they're a good team too. They're ranked twenty one. Hurricanes. Yeah, so I think we should know where we're as we're recording this, we're actually got the game on as well, so we we're actually watching the cheese it bowl. The double dip cheese it bowl. Double dip cheese it bowl. <laughs> Again, you know, when I think about the Hurricanes this year, yeah, I feel like we could have done a lot more, right? But I also realized that it takes time to build a program, and for as much shit I want to give Manny Diaz, it's not all on him. A lot of it is on the players themselves, right, for not being as consistent. On the defense, I do have to burn uh, Blake, the defensive coordinator, because he just – is not doing the best with what talent he has right now. And there is obvious, obvious talent all over this defense. We're going to see a couple of the guys within this year and next year get picked in the first and third round, second round from our defense and be like, what the hell? This guy was a hurricane? Like, I didn't know. But, you know, we'll know the names, Bolden and and the uh, Phillips kid on the line. A bunch of kids are going to get drafted, but – that defense, giving up 31 points to Oklahoma State, embarrassing. it's unheard of. It's beyond embarrassing. It's unheard of. So, so I mean, is it, is, it, is it then on the players or is it on the on the coaching staff? Because I feel like, honestly, man, I feel like sometimes, you know, the, the Hurricanes players, they, they come in and they're like, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm at the U. I play ball for the U. And it doesn't mean the same thing anymore. Like, now it's like, I, I think that they make it to that and it's like, oh, I play ball for the U. That's it. Like, I made it. You know what I mean? This is the top program in the country with, you know, has all these past national championships, and I at least made it here. And it's like they're not they're not hungry anymore. Like I feel like a lot of these Hurricanes players, they don't really have a desire to win. They're just happy to be a part of the Hurricane team. Yeah, for sure they want to be part of the swagger, right? Like right. I t- when we sp- when we did the recruiting episode, we we highlighted some of that 
being the reason why kids want to come here because of the swagger. But ultimately, it's on the coordinator and the coaches to get those guys and be like, all right, you're pumped to be here. Great. Here's what we're going to do at the U. We're going to run 100 miles a day. We're going to hit the dummy 200 times a day. We're going to do whatever. Elevate their game. We're going to work. And that's on the defensive coordinator to be like, okay, how are you coaching these boys up? You haven't played a game in over two weeks, so you've had plenty of time to get ready for an opponent and their tendencies, come up with a game plan. How are you putting those kids and their abilities to the best or in the best position to do something, right? Can't just rely on the talent to say, well, shit, I'm just going to put, you know, 11 kids out here and see what happens. No, it doesn't work like that. You really have to think about it and treat these kids like professional players and say, well, you're really good at blitzing. I'm going to put you in this package. Or you're the best tackler on the team. I'm going to put you in this package. You got to figure it out. And he hasn't done a good job of that. And the recruiting shows that we've had good players. We got a really good class coming in next year. We had a good class this year. The defense has shown, we know it, potential. And at there's times, been flashes, yeah. there's been the flashes. So the, of, talent, the talent is there. And be, of just being raw talent and able to, if you put them in the right position, they're going to do the good things. He hasn't done his job. Well, maybe, Offensively, we can say we have. Uh, defensively, we can't say we have. Maybe changes in order for 2021, man. With some of the sources I know, I'm pretty sure that guy's going to get fired the moment this game's over and we lose. And we'll be the first to report it here on Sports of Soso. Let's go. I mean, maybe not the first, but we'll definitely oh, break we'll it down. we'll talk about it. That's we'll for definitely sure. break that shit down. Just a quick update. The Dolphins, the Hurricanes actually made it a little interesting. Okay. Up, they're still down. 31-26, 12 minutes left in the fourth. We're going to follow it here. Me and Joel, we're going to catch it. But everybody who tuned in, we appreciate you guys as always. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Spotify. Remember, everybody, it's easy to just follow the show. Get the instant notification of when the next episode is available. Download it and you can tell listen to it right there. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. And tell a friend. If you like the show, make sure that you tell a friend and let them know. Hey, follow the show on Spotify. Follow the boys on Instagram, Sports with Soso Podcast. And remember, you can always show us some love also on our website, Sports with Soso. Until next time, everybody. Peace. peace.